Hello, and welcome to Occupied Thoughts, a podcast brought to you by the Foundation for Middle East Peace. I am Sarah Ann Minkin, Director of Programs and Partnerships for the Foundation. Today is October 9th, 2022, and I am delighted to be here, to be here with Basil Adra. Basil is a journalist and human rights activist who lives in the village of Atwani in Masafriyata in the South Hebron Hills in the West Bank. Basil, I'm so happy that you're joining us again on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, for sure. We're going to talk about Masafriyata, an area under particular threat in the West Bank. By way of background, for those who've been following, and FMAP has been uh, posting and, and doing interviews and, and posting articles about Masafriyata and what's happening there. So by way of background, in May of this year, after a 20-year legal battle, legal battle, the Israeli Supreme Court handed down its final decision about one area within Masafriyata, an area called Firing Zone 918. This is an area that the Israeli military designated to itself in the 1980s for training in the West Bank, despite the fact that Palestinians have been living there for many generations. In May, the Israeli Supreme Court gave the Israeli military the green light to expel the Palestinians who live in firing zone 918 and to demolish their homes. And more than a thousand people are now in danger of being expelled or being forcibly transferred in the language of international law. These actions have already begun. So you can look at our website, FMEP, to see resources on what's happening in Masafriyata. We're going to talk to Basel, who has been working in the firing zone and in the areas around it. Atwani, his village, is just on the outside edge of the firing zone, just outside the edge of the firing zone. Uh, we'll have links to Basel's Twitter feed, which I strongly, strongly recommend to you. We'll have links to Basel's Twitter feed and links to articles about Masafriyata and to our other podcasts with Basel, with other activists, uh, all on the, the landing page for this website. But Basel, before we dive into what's happening with the firing zone, so in May, the Supreme Court gave the, the green light for the expulsion of these villages. And since then, the military has really accelerated its uh, offense against these villages. And we're going to talk about that. But before that, I actually want to ask you about what's going on in your village, in, in Atwani. There has been so much happening there. And um, I just, again, want to invite our readers to, to go back, or maybe if you've been following, there are sort of two, two big things. Um, in August, there was a Jewish holiday uh, called uh, Tisha B'Av, and Jewish settlers came into Twani to take over the village to hold a prayer service there during uh, this Jewish holiday with the support of the of the military. Basel, I want to ask you about that. And and more recently, um, one of the villagers, Hafez Hureini, was uh, attacked by settlers and then arrested. And the village has been under a lot of assault since then. So. Basel, tell us what's what's happening in in Twani now, please. Uh, so yeah, as you said, in in August, the the settlers, like uh, two buses of settlers, uh, accompanied by uh, heavy forces of uh, occupation soldiers and border police and police. Uh, actually, the the occupation soldiers took over the. Uh, like block the village and took over some of the house's roofs to stand on 
and to prevent the movement. The, they are claiming that there is a place with uh, archaeological and old archaeological site. There are very old like stones or there's like some of old like stones mainly in this in this place and it is like uh, right next to my home it's in the garden of my neighbor so what happened the, the soldiers come and took over the roof of my home the, ro the roof of the home of my neighbor the village were blocked from the entrance and from the other side of the village no one was uh, allowed to go in or out from the village not to move in the streets uh, a lot, like dozens of soldiers were blocking everywhere and preventing all the movement. Uh, this, they started at three after, and after midnight, uh, this like, uh, this control. At six, two buses of settlers from the settlement of Ma'on, Abigail, and the settlements around entered in the center of the village and come to, to pray here in the place where they're claiming that there is Jewish uh, ancient archeological, uh side and they the they they like stayed there until like nine in the morning uh until they finished their praying they just left away and uh, the army leave with them and it is like part of the policy that they want to keep calm in the village storming mainly at night like two nights before they they come for this praying uh, they come at 12 at midnight to check in the place with three civilians dozens of soldiers also arrive here start researching and always people worried when there is uh, an uh, an army coming here because always they come for trouble so everyone would be worried and awake for their movements in the area so and 12 of, of, of the other Accident. Yeah. Wait. Before before we we talk about uh, what happened with with Hafez and and the the more recent stuff, the piece about the so they're coming in because there's a they say that there's an archaeological site and they want to pray at this yes. site, an old Jewish site. And just I want to tell our our listeners um, that very close to where you live, very close close to twenty, is another village, Susia, where an ancient synagogue, uh, an archaeological site was discovered. And the village was expelled to make the archaeological site into a, a, an area dedicated to archaeology for the Jewish community that had lived there at some other point ancient, in, in, in ancient times. And now there is a yeshiva and a, a, a settlement of Susia on that land. So when there's this discovery of, of an archaeological site, it's not a, it's not a neutral celebration of history. It is... Um, as you said, they came in with soldiers and went into your neighbor's garden and uh, and they're staking a claim to this land based on a claim of archaeology. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Will you t tell us you were about to, to, to go from August to September. Now we're in September. Yeah, I, I'm talking like about the big events, to be honest, that happened in, in the village because also, like before, before that happened, before the thing in August that they come to pray, the Shabak Israeli Shem Beit, uh, where the soldiers invade the house of the mayor of Twani, 
and threat him to arrest him, but his legs was broken by accident. So they just threat him inside the house and mainly was about to prevent Israeli activists and international activists to keep calm in Tuani village. That took place also at two in the morning, like after midnight. So they mean like to come and storm and in invade the village of Tuani after midnight or at midnight to keep us like afraid and to 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 terrorize the, the whole community. And also when it happened, the praying here next to my home, the two cars of soldiers go and invade the house of Nasser Nawaja, the Salem field researcher, arrest him and take him also to the Shin Beit interrogation. He was kidnapped from his home and there was no answer to the lawyer about his where, where they're taking him until the next day when the settlers finished the praying and in the midday he was like uh, they just released him out and he was like threatening also to stop dealing with uh, Israeli activists and international activists and the Palestinian activism in the area should be stopped that they, the Shin Bet claimed they want the area to be calm. So thank you. Even thank you for adding that for adding those pieces yeah. of what, what the background looks like and the, the specific threats against human rights defenders, direct threats against human rights defenders. Yeah, and, and, and that arrest didn't come by chance before the settlers come to pray, is like to prevent us from protesting that and not writing about it, not talking about it, the settlers coming with the soldiers storming the, the, the village under the pretext that they want to pray uh, in it. So arrest of Nasser by Shimbe, this means to make other people also afraid from active and from act against the settlers' uh, attacks or invading the communities. So what happened also on 12th of September, there was Hafiz and his son, uh, and there was another two children from the village of Jawaya grazing in the land. And the land located next to uh, Ma'on and Khavat, Khavat Ma'on settlement. The land belonged to half of the family, uh, to, to half of the family, but it was stolen and colonized by the settlers in the 80s uh, who built Ma'on settlement. And by it was the other part of the land colonized by settlers who began uh, Khavat Ma'on outpost in 2000. He was cultivating his garden and planting it. The she his sheep were next to him. Other two kids from Jawaya village were also grazing their sheep right next to Hafid where he's working in the land. Suddenly two masked settlers were running out of Ma'on settlement and chasing the children who was with the sheep. And But they ran very fast to Jawaya, which is in the other side of the highway or the bypass way. And they managed to escape and run away from the settlers who who hold who was holding pipes and mask their faces and running after them and luckily there was an english guy from england who by accident came to help help Hafez and his son cultivating the land as a volunteer he held his phone and start filming all what's going on another three settlers come close to Hafez and his son they were not masked but one of them were uh, armed with M16. The other two settlers were chasing the children and didn't manage to catch them, returned back to Hafez and directly go with the pipes and start 
beating him up with with the metal pipes and he had a shovel that works with it in his land and he tried to to prevent them or to put up the the pipes from like uh, when they were beating him up and there was one settlers whose arms start shooting fire live shots i was like in my home here sitting and only like the community start running to the place of the accident when we hear these shots and it was so scary like to hear the fire live shots i couldn't imagine what's happening and i tried to think of there's no one is dead there because to hear like fire life shots it's really a scary thing and happening right next to a settlement or outpost yeah we 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 know as a palestinians here what is happening so i when the moment that i arrived there there was half it on the ground bleeding from both arms and there was these five settlers standing uh, and I saw the two masked settlers start walking back to Havat Ma'on, the outpost, and the other three stand there with their gun, and more settlers start to, to come with the cars. We start calling a Palestinian ambulance to come and to save half of the, that he was bleeding on the ground. The Israeli occupation soldiers arrive after like 20 minutes, the first jeep, and then there was the police also arriving. Uh, in that moment, we asked them to bring ambulance because we are in Area C. We are under their control, and they have to provide. Uh, they have to provide this humanitarian needs even under occupation law. They did not, and they didn't hear for, uh, from us. Uh, in that moment, we hear the settlers start to claim that there is settlers who's injured and claim that half of the one beat him. To be honest, I saw the, they call it Megan David, the Israeli ambulance entering Havat Ma'on. Uh, and they claim that the settler mm -hmm. were attacked here and taken, taken to Havat Ma'on, but I saw him walking to going back home. And we, we kept asking for the ambulance. After 40 minutes, the first Palestinian ambulance arrived at the place within an army ambulance, not the Israeli civilian ambulance, but soldiers in ambulance. And a lot of time I see this car that they claim it's ambulance. They're using it in the areas uh, for the soldiers to do checkpoint with it also. Uh, like the, the entrance of the village were many times blocked by this car that they are claiming it's like ambulance but there's soldiers inside it with uniform with m16 uh, and one settler from Ma'on came with his private car but put on his body a shirt that he's a paramedics wanted to save half of and because i recognize him i i told the people we have to prevent him from doing that because i know if he go close to to hopefully will harm him more. He's a settler that I know and I recognize and I know him very well when he chased shepherds. And the soldiers wanted to let him do that. They told him how he come with a private car, no ambulance, how you can claim that he's a paramedic. Then more and more settlers, armed settlers with M16 start to come and they start to be dozens of them. More soldiers also come and only thing they are doing, pushing us back as usual. And the settler walked after them. Hafid were laying on the ground. Palestinian paramedics were helping him also with the soldiers that come in the uh, army ambulance. 
And then when they start picking him up to, to, to go to the ambulance, uh, one police and the settlers like uh, insist that they have to arrest him. Even he was like injured and bleeding and paramedics say they, he need a hospital and he, he have to be taken to hospital. They were refusing and pushing us and the paramedics who was holding him. One settler go in the door uh, of the ambulance with the M16 and block it, block it. And all the settlers run and block the anyone to go close to the uh, Palestinian ambulance. Uh, the soldiers also stand next to them and only pushing us back. Uh, we knew at that moment one of the settlers took knife and stabbed the tires of the ambulance to oblige the the to oblige, like to make the situation harder that we will succeed putting half of the inside the ambulance and taking him to the hospital. In that moment, the, the soldiers started to be more violent and kicking us really hard away. And to make the people more afraid, they arrest two guys who were just standing there. Uh, and meanwhile, like they took half of the army ambulance and they told the settlers they're going to arrest him. And there was a video when the soldiers also were like, Attack, attacking like the Palestinian paramedics who try to help half of more. And one of them even was filming that to the phone and one of the soldiers beat him for filming the, the other soldiers like transferring half of from Palestinian ambulance to, to like taking him from the paramedics and putting him in the army ambulance. It started half past six in the afternoon, then the soldiers come close to the village, start shooting tear gas and sun grenades to make people walk back homes. After almost half an hour, three army jeeps enter the village and stand from house, like they go in the first home, they open the doors, throw stun grenades, shoot tear gas and go away into the another house. Into another the house. houses. Yes, yes, in, in the door of the houses and into the houses mm -hmm. without anything. They did it twice around the village and they go like on my neighbor roof, take, take it over because we live like almost in the center of the village. They stand on the, on the roof, the three, like they park the three jeeps on the way, they block it and they go on the roof and start wherever they see lights and people moving, they shot direct at them. Uh, even my cousin were, they have like guests visiting them and they wanted to go out from the village. They bought a child who's months his age, like he, he, he born recently. They bought him in the car and run to take the other stuff from the house to transfer to the, to the car. And one soldier, when the door was open of the car, they shot tear gas inside the, the car where the child were like uh, by himself in the car. Luckily, like, and people run to the car and take the child out and we call the ambulance dozens, dozens of times and the, the ambulance were like uh, broken because of the tires were like stabbed by the settlers. It took like 30 minutes that the paramedics arrive and save his life and then they shoot into my cousin's houses inside. A lot of women and children were hiding inside the home, got tear gas, but there was like a paramedics in the village dealing with it they kept with that until 12 midnight uh, these three jeeps moved out from the village 10 minutes later about 25 soldiers with two jeeps walk like 25 walking soldiers and two jeeps on the front 
and on their back and they go into the village. They start going from home to another, randomly taking every male they see in their faces. Men, like all the men of the village take them out of the village. Uh, they collected 20, 20 guy, guys. They were taken into the entrance of the village. You, you can hear me? Yeah, yeah, I hear you great. So they, they took them in the entrance of the village where the shim baits uh, were like making as an office of, for interrogation and threatening the people. For two hours, they told me they were like taking them one by one, telling them you are doing troubles, you are attacking the soldiers and settlers in the area. You are the reason, like to everyone, almost the same speech to make like they're taking one by one aside and threatening them as they are the main, uh, the main active one or they are the resource of the problems that going on in the area. And we're threatening that the village will be all the village will be punishment, all the village will be like no man here uh, will arrest all of you if you keep doing that. A lot of threats that they're using to make people afraid. Why? Because the settlers that attacked Hafel claimed that, and the media and the Israeli police claimed and published there was a lynch. There was 30 Palestinians who attacked a settler. The settler is in bad condition in the hospital, and the Palestinians tried to kill him. For two days, it kept like this. Like the day after... This was in at two after midnight. This all interrogation and shooting tear gas and stun grenades and the settlers attacking on the village. The day next to it at night, also soldiers came from three places walking and they start like shooting tear gas and stun grenades very crazy inside the village. There was nothing going on. They just start shooting at houses and the fields and the whole village were like clouds of tear gas inside it. The night, the, the third night, came thirty commander with three civilians to the same archaeological site at one after midnight to have a lecture about the Jewish religion or like holy, uh, holy things. I don't understand. They were like having lecture and sitting on my uh, neighbor garden where they claiming there is like archaeological site. The, the the third day, I think the day that we published the video where the the mm -hmm. guy from England took and filmed that there was no 30 Palestinians, there was settlers, mass settlers with a pipe come to attack Palestinian farmer who is working on his land. Well, the first court took place for half in Aufar in the uh, military court. He was in charge of trying to kill uh, someone. And then after the video, they took over that uh, that charge and they uh, replaced it with the charge of attacking very hard someone. But never to Palestinian, there is a charge of defending himself. The, 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 in the video, there, there is clear he was working in private land, cultivated land. Yeah. Oh, it, it is very clear. 
it's very clear. Yeah. I, um, it, it sounds like we, we lost you for just a quick second, but I, I just want to add that um, we ha- we're going to have links on the homepage for this podcast to the video um, by, by the English activist um, or the, or the Englishman who, who happened to be there was, was uh, not, not, not uh, spending his time with, with Hafez intending to, to capture this incident on video, but was there as accompaniment and did capture this incident and, um, and a link to uh, 972 published a couple of stories, good stories that you were a part of about the, the, the lynch that wasn't how the, um, the Israeli media and the Israeli military told this story that there was an attempted lynch on a Jewish settler on a, on a Jewish Israeli. They, they said um, by 30 Palestinians and Hafez was arrested, as you said, for attempted murder. And then you and 972 uh, published this video and told the story that this was not an attempted lynch, that this was a Palestinian farmer, Palestinian shepherd on his own land. Uh, and he was defending himself from settlers who came to attack him, as you have described so explicitly. And um, and also with this description of this um, this storm of days of soldiers descending on the village at night and and shooting tear gas and um, and sound grenades and, and terrifying people. Um, so thank you for all of that. Where where did things stand now? How how are things in the village now? It kept for one week, like a, a fr- Friday the, in the week that it uh, it happened. Also, like 15 soldiers entered the village with a Shab Shimbait uh, commander that came directly in my home. They break the, the door of the house because there was no, no one inside it. They were like uh, violently kicking out the activists who tried to film them. And then they called my father on the phone and threatened him to stop his, you know, as they call it, causing problems to soldiers or settlers and attacking them. And then they go to different, also another two, three houses in the village also do the same thing. After that, like it's almost finished from the storming in the, in the village. Hafez stayed in jail for 10 days. He paid 10,000 shekel and he's now prevented to go to his land for uh, one month since it happened or since the court decision, I don't remember. Uh, and, but I mean, the, the students from Tuba, for example, paid the price of that. They were prevented to escorted by the military occupation. I don't know if people know this story, but because it go between Tuba and Tuani, the road for the kids and have to be escorted by Israeli occupation soldiers. Uh, that's what the Israeli Knesset decided in 2004. Right. Yeah, I wanted to ask you. From the... yeah. yeah, you and I, sorry to interrupt you. You and I were going to speak weeks ago, actually, um, because I wanted to ask you how things were going now that school has started. And then we were delayed in our conversation because of of, of everything that happened in, in Tuani. So yeah. Tuba is a village in the firing zone. Tuani, as we've said, is just outside the firing zone. The kids from Tuba go to school in Tuani and they need an escort to get there because the settlers are so violent and so dangerous. And we've talked a little bit in the past on this podcast, uh, and certainly we've we've published articles about um, 
about what happens with these kids and, and what it's like. And uh, we've hosted Ali Awad, who is from Tuba, who grew up needing the, the military uh, escort in order to go to school. Um, and Ali now also escorts children. And, and he has written um, really moving articles about what it was like to go to school under such military threat. So you just uh, added that the children from Tuba weren't able to go to school while all of this was happening. Is that are they are they back going to school now because they couldn't they weren't allowed into into twenty are they back going to school or are they still not allowed into school? Okay, we're back. We lost Vassal for a quick a quick moment, uh, but we're back, and he was just talking about the children from Tuba coming to school in in, in twenty and what's been happening with them. So Vassal, are they are the yeah. children back in school? They're back in school, but I mean, when the thing happened, when the attack of the Sutter happened against Hafez on the land, so also even these children had to pay a price and they were prevented to pass that way and the army refused to escort them as a reaction on the on the settlers coming, attacking a Palestinian farmer who worked on his land and one of the settlers got harmed when he came to attack people. Also, the whole village were under the... Uh, punishment of that. Then the, 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 the army go back escorting the children, but they start to detain every day for three hours the Israeli and international activists who also sit in a places to watch and to film if something happened to those kids. So they start preventing them from being there to film what's, what's going on. I mean, it's not a chance, not just in that place. Now the, the place is, is, is under closed military zone for uh, 30 days, for one month. And no activists, no Israelis, no Palestinians can be there. Only the students can walk back, uh, coming to school and back to their home with the, with the Israeli army and their settlers living near them. So that's coming because they are like, after they... They talk about lynch and make the mainstream media talk about it. And the Israeli spoken and the army spokesperson, the police publish of uh, 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 a lie. Like all of them make a lie and publish it. And then it was like discovered by a video that an international, international visitor or tourist that was in the area filmed it. So now they want to prevent the others to film anything will happen in the future and just to be under the control of the army and the settlers. That's also start happening in different places. They drove after a Palestinian uh, shepherd who go next to Havat Ma'on also from Mufagra village. That one Jeep army drove after him uh, from the entrance to the village till his home just to tell him that he, come, he can come to graze his sheep in the valley next to Havat Ma'on, only if he st stopped bringing Israeli activists with him to that place or international activists with him. Only he can go there. The other thing, also the same happening with in uh, near the outpost of Mitbeir, before one year, 15 settlers go with pipes and attack Saeed Aliyan and broke his... Uh, his face and his eye also was injured. His family were terrorized. His car were destroyed. His wife were beaten up. She filmed a short video to prove that evidence. 
for long time, like for so many times, Said were going to uh, work in his land till he this happened to him. Then he started to bring activists mainly on Saturday to be with him. And now the same thing, they're preventing him every time he go to his land, they prevent him to work there because he's bringing activists. That's the problem. He can work as a Palestinian right next to outposts where illegal outposts where dangerous settlers living inside. Just the problem is to prevent or to stop bringing activists with, with him. Why? If something happened, that they will make sure that it won't be filmed by cameras. So also they, he had like he had like to talk to the civilian administration uh, about it about that he is he have private land and he have documents and legally he have to work his land and he can't do it and no one can prevent him. So I asked them why you are sending the soldiers every time to de- he was detained and he was beaten by soldiers and the activists were beaten with him and detained and they told him very clear. You can come and work your land, but you can't bring activists with you. You come by yourself to work here. So now they're they're really putting pressure to don't have activists in the area filming what's going on. Thank you for for adding that. So this is so clear about the the um, the idea that the the military doesn't want the word to doesn't want word to get out, doesn't want there to be filming of what's happening and is trying to prevent activists, whether they're Palestinian activists or international activists, or you also said Israeli activists who are down there uh, filming and and accompanying the children or wanting to accompany the children to school or uh, shepherds to their lands. Um, So you're you're an activist uh, and, and so much of your work is in documenting what's happening in Masafriyata uh, you publish on 972. You started a, a an, an Instagram and also a, a Substack with some other people called Humans of Masafriyata, where you're, you're publishing profiles of people and um, and and profiles of villages. You actually have a really beautiful recent post about uh, the fight for water uh, in Masafriyata. So, how are you able to continue doing? what you're doing. Are you able to continue moving around and getting from place to place to document and to report? Moving from place to place now, it's hard, especially where the area was designated as a firing zone. Uh, Since May, they they put uh, checkpoints, two main checkpoints in the area, and they confiscate many cars for lawyers, activists, uh, important NGOs who come provide humanitarian needs for the people where also they, their cars were confiscated in these checkpoints. The residents' cars were dozens of them confiscated by the occupation military on, on that area. And those who drive their tractors and, and cars that they, they were not confiscated they had to wait hours on the checkpoints under the sun. We're talking about six hours, eight hours, five hours. If they go out from the village and they just go back, like they have to wait five hours when they leave and five hours when they go back, 10 hours of their day would be lost on these checkpoints. For example, in the village of Jinba and Merkis, which is in the end of the uh, 
of Masafariyatan, the end of the what they call it firing zone, the army established there a, a gate, a metal gate where they close it. No one allowed to pass there. They only allow some of the residents and mainly old people who's driving tractors. Many people who go there with their cars, they're prevented to go even inside. They have to go above hills and mountains and very dangerous ways to get to get into the village. They have to sneak to go to their home, to their to their children and to their wives. And the beginning of the year, the, the, the children and the, sorry, the students and teachers faced really hard conditions to, to reach the, the, their school. In the first day of school, the teachers of Jimba were detained for four hours and their car were confiscated by the soldiers. And every day for one month, it kept the same thing. After we put pressure on media, we talk, the lawyers on the court. So now it's a bit easier for them, but also it keep going on that they are also sometimes will be detained for 40 minutes, one hour. And when you are talking about students losing their like lessons or when they're going home, they have to pass through checkpoint that soldiers have to check their bags and their box ask them for IDs that a lot of them don't have ID even because they're, ch they're just children. Uh, it's for, 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 for the students and the teacher from the part and for the whole community. I mean, these students have to pass through the, this when they are going to school with their teachers and they have to pass through it when they have to move with their parents to going uh, out or going visit the other community or going to buy their needs or going to a wedding or something they have to to put in their agenda that they're going to wait hours on this like uh, on these checkpoints and the other thing that the army did military exercises next to their homes and they were bombing and shooting one house in Khalid Dabba for example got a bullet from a tank on their roof and that was so dangerous and scary. The only the only bullet that we could prove that the army shooting at the houses, but the people really and honestly talked about many bullets that reached to their community on the fields. And that bullet were found out when a group of diplomats from the European Union were visiting the village. We opened, uh, we cut the metal roof and showed them the bullet at that time. The day when it was shot, the army spokesperson uh, denied and lied and said there is no no bullets were shot toward the houses during the training until we found the bullet. They sh they said uh, it could be from the mil military exercise, but I mean it was a bullet that shot from shot from a tank, not a small bullet. You are talking about so. Who, who else could bring this bullet or shoot this bullet toward homes? I mean, this, this actions of bringing tanks and bulldozers and soldiers to do these trainings next to the houses, it is scary. And going every day, morning and afternoon, going to the school, have to pass three checkpoints, through a checkpoint, and people who who want to visit you are prevent to come to enter the the village because they'll be afraid from detention or they will lose their car you can imagine like how's this life going on since may till now this is also taking place 
side by side to the demolitions that that keep going on in on the area. Vasil, thank you for all of that. For that that that, that encapsulates it, um, it, summarizes what's happening. So so in such a, a harrowing and painful way, and 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 so important to hear. So since May, everything has escalated, and with the the military training that is going on in the firing zone, people are at risk. There's shooting going on next to their houses. You just talked about it. There are diplomats who. Are, are coming to see some diplomats um, from the EU you just described, but um, diplomats now are having trouble getting in and activists and journalists and, and the lawyers representing these people. You just described also how difficult the military is making it. And for the people themselves, they're, they're, you just described them, the, the fear and the terror of living there. And then also the, the military stealing many, many, many hours from them every time they want to go anywhere by holding them at a checkpoint for all of those hours. Um, what you're, o- over this past week, um, just this past week actually, the Israeli human rights organization, B'Tselem, sent a letter to the prosecutor of the International Criminal Court requesting that he intervene to stop Israel from expelling people from these villages in, in the firing zone. Uh, and in they they called it a a, um, a preventative intervention to try to prevent Israel from committing the war crime of uh, forcible transfer of residents, of forcible population transfer. And um, part of what B'Tselem said is that uh, although Israel has so far avoided direct expulsion, it is now, and I'm quoting now from the B'Tselem press release, it is subjecting the residents to intolerable living conditions in an indirect bid to drive them away. And then B'Tselem goes on and says, this implicit tactic may better obscure Israel's intention to commit a war crime, but there's no ambiguity about it. It is the same objective and it is the same crime, which is to to expel these people from their villages. So you've just described to us what it's like to be there in those villages and to try to be covering them uh, as a journalist and an an activist. Um, And you also described to us what it's like to be right on the edge of of the firing zone, to be in in Tuani um, and and what you're being subjected to, what your village is being subjected to, to there. So can you... Can I ask you, what is the mood like now? You've you've given us what it's like in the firing zone. You've given us what it's like in 20. And you've told us that there are activists who are coming to try to help you. And you yourself are, are an activist. What is it like now? Now, I, I we, we really had like urgent case now, which is the village of Khalid Zabar that also located in Masafriyatta, but also <clears throat> it were designated as a, as, a, as a part of the firing zone for, since the, the 29th of September, there is uh, now the Supreme Court, the occupation Supreme Court gave the green light for the occupation army to erase the whole community. Now at any moment, all the construction in this village with a school can be demolished and destroyed by any moment and any time the occupation army choose to do it and this village really really need to to need the help 
I mean the whole area, but more this village and the construction and the, the school in it and the houses, the, their solar panels, all the whole community under threat of being erased at any moment they, 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 they want to do it. And so we're really trying to, to help them to talk about it and to film video, we interviewed people, we published about it. There is a, a solidarity tent that people come and spend nights sometime there. In the, in the community, a lot of the guys and uh, the, the people who, who has fam like the guys who have to go work for their families are not in the mood of going to work and they're just sitting in their houses waiting what's going to happen to their like families and their future and where they're going to live in. I spoke to the old people who lived in the caves. They told me that they have, they, these rooms that they built with a metal roof, even if it is simple and very small thing, but for them, it's really much way, way much better than keep living in the old caves that over than 100 years old, at least, but it, they told me, even though they're going to steadfastness in this village, but I mean, we should all talk about it and active against the, this decision to not allow them do it and to demolish the whole community. Thank you, Basa. We will put up those links also about Khalid Daba and, and the, um, the urgent violence that, that they're facing there. Is there anything else you want to tell us Tell this, tell this audience before we go, before we end. As, as usual, I want people who really watching this and listening to it to, to, to help us. And there's different ways to do it. Uh, at least publishing these voices, publishing these stories, if they can do, talking to their friends and their community among themselves about it, to share and publish the truth and to stand with the right against the apartheid and against the, the colonization. Thank you, Basil. That's so that's so clear um, and explicit. And thank you for it. And I want to recommend again, and and I'll put up the link that everybody follow Basil on Twitter. His his Twitter handle is um, at Basil Adra, which is B A S E L underscore A D R A, uh, and you can see where he was today, the, 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 the uh, short clip that he posted from today from a village where settlers came in and, um, and demolished some homes and were very violent uh, towards Palestinians. Was that, in, was that in the firing zone today, Basil? That was not in the firing zone, no. That was another community. And you can see the soldiers standing next to the settlers when they're destroying uh, construction. Uh, I mean, the same soldiers will come another day with a bulldozer and destroy the other that the other homes that uh, uh, settlers didn't do it. So here, the power is held by soldiers and settlers, and the the only thing the international community, I mean, diplomats and politicians around the world, around the world, when they watch these unjust acts taking place by Israel, they just send statements or. Uh, condemnations, but on the ground here, the facts are created by the power, and the power is so the hand of the soldiers and the settlers, and they do whatever they want against us here. So for that, we need your voices, the voices of the people in the street, the voices of the people who's elected and vote, voting for the politicians, 
that keep supporting the apartheid and keep supporting the colonization of our land to stop it. Thank you, Basel. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. I'm so grateful to you um, and so grateful that, that uh, we can bring your voice to our audience. And, and I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in today to this episode of Occupied Thoughts. Please make sure to check out our website, www.fmep.org, for the resources related to this podcast that we mentioned and for a lot of other good content, valuable content related to uh, Masafriyata, related to Palestine, to Israel. Um, please make sure you're subscribed to this podcast to stay up to date. You can find us on iTunes, on SoundCloud, or on Spotify. And you can also watch video versions of our podcast, including this one on YouTube. Uh, and with that, I am Sarah Ann Minkin signing off until the next episode of FMEP's Occupied Thoughts.